0: All right, well, let's let's get back to business, uh, matters of business and law, that is. Welcome back, everyone. Jim Mitchell with you again for another edition of our weekly podcast series. And after several recent discussions on some very valuable topics for individuals, we return to the corporate world today and tackle yet another new topic here on Chicago's Legal Latte. We've had uh, many conversations regarding corporate structure and actions by, for, and about shareholders in the past. This week, we kind of use those discussions as a jumping-off point as we are going to take a look at the judicial dissolution of a corporation. And I think uh, the title there can be kind of telling as to what it is that we're going to talk about. So as we venture into that uh, part of the legal realm, we'll we'll be guided by Attorney Stephen Magala, Stephen joins me from LaBelle Law Limited. And, Stephen, it's been a little while, so thanks for coming back. It's nice to talk to you again. Same here. Good afternoon. Now, when we say judicial dissolution, um, it sounds to me like we're talking about the court taking action to dissolve or otherwise alter the structure of an existing corporation. Is that, is that sort of the right thought as we begin the conversation today? Right, right. This is someone seeking the court uh,
1: to dissolve the corporation,
0: correct. Okay. Now, you just said something very interesting there. You said someone seeking the court to do that. Who has the right to do that? Can anybody walk into a courtroom and ask this, or, or is it limited to certain people?
1: Uh, the Business Corporation Act uh, generally specifies you know, who is who who, eligible to seek um, judicial dissolution. Uh, there's a couple different parties that are named. First, the Attorney General, Illinois Attorney General,
0: uh, creditors
1: of the corporation, corporation itself and then also its shareholders
0: okay and those are four pretty distinct groups so let's uh, let's spend some time kind of going through them tell me about instances in which the Attorney General might initiate this action and and particularly what might cause them to go ahead and do that
1: right with the Attorney General it's kind of very narrow grounds in which um, uh, the Attorney General would would, would seek to intervene to uh, have a corporation um, dissolve And those grounds are typically uh, things in the nature of fraud or if uh, the corporation somehow exceeds its authority or um, fails to answer uh, the Secretary of State's uh, interrogatories that would be uh, propounded by it to the corporation under the um, Business Corporation Act. So those are the very narrow grounds in which the Attorney General would get involved.
0: Yeah, and, and you know me, I like to ask questions. Sometimes that get us off the path here, so I don't want to stray too far. But just out of curiosity, when you, when, you, when you talk about those narrow grounds, what you know, what sort of causes the attorney general? Would that come through like some investigation that's going on, or another legal proceeding that might trigger it, or, or yeah, that, or, that would be
1: very common, like especially like in a fraudulent context, say if there's some sort of you know securities act violations going on or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the the, um, the corporation. Um, was, was formed in a, in a manner that's fraudulent, uh, then, you know, they'll seek to dissolve it.
0: Okay, okay, good. Now, you, I think one of the other groups you mentioned there were creditors. What what sort of play do they have in terms of getting involved here? Right, with a creditor, um,
1: what's key f- for a creditor to uh, obtain dissolution is the
0: corporation
1: has to be insolvent. So that's going to be a uh, common Factor that they're going to have to prove among the various uh, among the two different grounds of dissolution that are available to them. First, um, if uh, they get a judgment and they try to execute on that judgment, but it's returned unsatisfied, um, then they can go ahead and seek judicial uh, dissolution. But they also have to show that the corporation is insolvent. So that's where the insolvency comes into play. And mm-hmm. second, um, you know, if, if they don't have um, a judgment and a return of the judgment, then if the corporation admits in writing that that creditor's claim is due. um, So if there's that, and then again, if the creditor also shows the insolvency, then they can uh, seek judicial dissolution.
0: Okay, so that one sounds like it needs to be pretty far down along a a serious path before that would actually start to happen.
1: Right, yeah. With creditors, yet they're going to have to show, like I said, insolvency in, in Mm -hmm. uh, in both cases. Okay.
0: Now, shareholders interest me, and we, as I mentioned in the beginning, we've used this podcast to talk about a lot of different shareholder actions. Um, it would seem to me, just from the limited amount I've learned from you here today and, and reading through the notes, somewhat difficult for a shareholder of the corporation to take this kind of action against the corporation. And you know, it's it's an interesting relationship. What what what's the burden on a shareholder if they were attempt to dissolve a corporation via the court?
1: Um, there's a couple different uh, grounds that are available to a shareholder to obtain judicial dissolution. Um, first, that they can show that the directors are deadlocked and that the shareholders are unable to break the deadlock. And then they also have to show that there's going to be some injuries caused or threatened you know, to the corporation or that the corporation's business can't be conducted to the advantage of its uh, shareholders. So that's kind of first ground is director deadlock. Um, second uh, would be if, they, if the shareholders, can show, if the petitioning shareholder, can show that the director has acted in the directors have acted in a legal, oppressive, or fraudulent manner. Um, and the third ground would be if the corporation's assets are being wasted or misapplied.
0: And this can be any shareholder, anyone who owns any sort of minority stake. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's correct um, with respect to.
1: Um, and any any shareholder
0: interesting all right now what about uh, the, the i think the the fourth uh, instance is one that interested me the most when you mentioned it. Tell me about instances in which a corporation itself might seek this form of judicial dissolution um, the corporation
1: can can seek it itself not not through a, a shareholder if um the corporation if the corporation can show that you know it it's not its business cannot be conducted for the advantage of its shareholders, so it's not it's not often we see that one in um, yeah. in 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 the court system um the most common one among the various parties here that can bring the action are definitely the shareholders typically they're you know they're minority shareholders or you know shareholders that are somehow being Oppressed, or mm-hmm. um, you know, um, or if there's deadlock, or you know, the, the, the grounds that I mentioned previously for for shareholders.
0: Okay, well, I certainly want to come back and, and talk about those shareholders in just a minute. Let me reintroduce mm-hmm. to our listeners here that uh, my guest today is Attorney Stephen McGallis. Stephen is among the uh, twenty plus attorneys at Lavelle Law Limited, and our, our topic for today is judicial dissolution of corporations. And this is. This is one of those topics that's new to the podcast and one in which um, you know, we probably can't do it justice in our allotted time. So l- let me recommend a quick visit to com. You can uh, learn more about a number of legal topics through articles and facts about all the different practice groups there, as well as attorney profiles on, on folks like Stephen. Um, and, of course, all of our past podcasts are available there. Um, now, if you need a direct conversation with uh, Stephen or one of his peers, you can call them at eight four seven seven zero five seven five five five, and uh, I'm sure they'll welcome an initial consultation. Uh, Stephen is also the author of a banking and business newsletter that comes out every month. I think that's uh, some very good reading that's available as well on the uh, on the website, so you can you can find that there very easily under the media tab. Now. Stephen, as I mentioned, I want to talk about shareholders. and and We've talked in the past about shareholder disputes and and means of solving them. Is it safe to assume that um, there would be a fairly lengthy process to resolve a dispute long before someone would just go ahead and seek dissolution? I I assume that this is sort of a last-ditch effort for a shareholder. It can be, um, but it also has the advantage
1: of – uh, certain remedies being available that, you know, hopefully we can discuss soon, um, uh, especially if the corporation wants to or if the petitioning shareholder is just seeking a buyout. Um, that could be a way to force it.
0: Okay. And, and you've sort of led right into the next thing there, as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, some of the resolutions. You know, what, what happens through this process? If, uh, if a court hears this and, uh, um, you know, there is a decision one way or the other, what, what exactly do you expect an outcome to be from a type of uh, filing like this?
1: The important thing to remember with respect to what what relief a court may order or what remedies it can fashion is really really the court has broad discretion to fashion a remedy. Um, And the list of remedies depends somewhat on whether the corporation is publicly traded. Um, For corporations that are not publicly traded, um, there's a statutory list of uh, suggested remedies, um, which would include uh, setting aside certain corporate actions cancelling or amending the articles of incorporation or bylaws, removing an officer or director, um, appointing an officer or director, uh, ordering an accounting, uh, and particularly um, appealing to some petitioning shareholders is forcing a purchase of that shareholder's shares, and also, uh, of course, ordering the dissolution of the corporation. So, the yes, various remedies for non-public corporations.
0: Okay, yeah, and and just to to be clear there so if, if um the request is made to dissolve the corporation if I'm hearing you right then that is one option that the court has but they might come back and say well, we'll do these other things first and use a use a separate right. course of action. Right. Uh, yeah. You
1: know, yeah, a, you know, oftentimes oftentimes what will happen is uh you know there there would be a buyout of the minority um uh or the or the petition shareholders shares by the corporation or one or more shareholders and that would you know avoid a dissolution which is you know which the court may view as a more drastic remedy so
0: mm-hmm. okay and and you mentioned something that that i guess i just want to follow up and just make sure we're clear on it. you you mentioned a difference between public and non-public corporations and how this is handled what, what's the distinction there
1: yeah the the act uh, differentiates between publicly traded and not publicly traded corporations uh the list of suggested remedies there is very similar but um for but there's still some uh, some you know differences uh for example um i you know both sets of uh remedies um provide for things like the appointment of a director and the appointment of a custodian but the publicly traded remedies are a little bit more narrow, uh, actually, than for non-publicly traded. You know, on, on the theory that, you know, for a publicly traded corporation, you know, there's, there's the market there that's available to, to sell your shares. So.
0: Interesting. Okay. And it sounds as if just based on some of the criteria and some of the possible judgments and, and the situations, this is, I'm assuming, one of those legal instances that could take some time to resolve. This is not going to be necessarily a quick action in the courts.
1: Um, no, no, because usually, you know, the, the parties try to meet to resolve their differences, you know, before the court filing, and if that's not going to happen, then, you know, uh, the, the uh, petitioning shareholder would, would file its action for, for dissolution, you know, alleging one of those grounds that we discussed. Um, and at that point, you know, if, if uh, the shareholder wants, you know, to force a buyout, then, you know, there's going to have to be a, a buyout at what the ad what the calls fair value well, how do you determine fair value? It's basically a battle of appraisers at that point. So uh, it can be very, you know, uh, an involved and expensive process.
0: Yeah, and what's what's your advice? We've got about a minute left here. If uh, someone comes to you, let's, let's use the example of a shareholder or, um, you know, uh, I guess that's probably a primary case. You know, someone comes right. to you and, and raises this issue, is it one of those that you try and, I don't want to say talk them out of, but do you really spend some time before you say, yeah, that's the right course of action for you?
1: yeah you kind of want to uh, drill down and kind of get the facts straight uh, especially with respect to um, the relationship among the shareholders uh, what you know the, the petitioning shareholder what what percentage they own. Um, what are the possible grounds that would be available to that petitioning shareholder, and you know what, what's what's the good outcome for that petitioning shareholder? Do they want, do they completely want out, or do they just want to set aside a certain action, or you know, is, is a forced buyout here good, or you know, maybe they do need to dissolve the corporation? So, um, what we would do with this, with a, a potential client would be to sit down with them and you know, obviously understand the facts and come up with uh, the available grounds and, you know, which remedy would be um, best in his or her situation.
0: Okay. Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, not enough time to go through this in great detail, but let me thank Stephen Magala for joining me today. Um, Again, lavellelaw.com is a great place to find out more about Stephen, uh, about the practice, and about topics like this through the uh, various articles and such that are posted there. Uh, Again, phone number 847-705-7555 smagala at com is an email uh, opportunity for you. And uh, a lot of information on the website, and we hope you'll find a lot of information on our weekly podcast here. So we look forward to having you join us for our next one. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555. Or email us at podcast at labellaw.com.